Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Hashtag Murder. <laughs> I'm Scar. And I'm Alex. And we're millennials who love murder. And Colts. And Colts. And a ducky. And a ducky. And a Jorge. Yeah, ducks asleep on my feet and George is passed out behind us. Yeah. <laughs> They're being very sweet. And Ducky brought me her little lamb chop. That is her favorite toy, so you should feel really special. I'm honored. Mm -hmm. It's an honor and a privilege. We go through at least one lamb chop a month in this house. (laughs) That would probably last, like, not even five minutes in our house. Yeah, no. Uh, Lily's a monster. Duck is also a monster, but she's pretty good with her toys. Oh, that's very sweet. She mostly uses them to, like, chase and fetch and uh, (laughs) uses it as her binky so she doesn't bite us when she's excited. Yeah. She knows to go get her toy. Yep. Now she's laying on my feet. She's being a good girl. <laughs> she's being very she's good. Being a good girl, ducky butt. Yeah. So we are, we're wrapping up our Charlie Manson. Yeah. This is our first like multi, oh, this is our first multi-parter. It is. Uh, and it has been a wild ride. Charlie is unhinged. <laughs> He's crazy. And I, I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. I'm loving that I'm getting the whole story. Oh yeah. He's, um, wow. He's just Wow. Yeah, and I had no idea he killed so many people. Yeah, he's... Uh, or, well, he didn't kill anybody. No, he didn't kill anybody. He just got other people to do his bidding for him. Yeah. And he's not done being unhinged. Because oh, this my. man acts absolutely bananas during the <laughs> trial, too. He went to trial. He uh, went to trial. Yeah, so that's what, that's what uh, Alex is going to tell me today. Yeah, and they actually got this trial started pretty quick. Oh, um, okay. It began on November 18th, 1969. So like only two months after, or After the months. summer of 69. Three months after the oh, murders. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Um, I'm sure it had a lot to do with how famous the uh, victims were, but. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, All right. On November 18th, 1969, the DA selected Vincent Bugliosi to be the chief prosecutor in the Tate-LaBianca trial due to having a very impressive record with his felony trials. Okay. Of his 140. Four trellony fell trellony. God damn it. <laughs> now trellony. Now trellony. <laughs> Okay. Of his 104 felony trials, he was able to earn a conviction in 103 of them. Whoa. Yeah, that is over a 99% conviction rate. Damn. That is All right. impressive. Get it. Okay. So our boy Bugliosi got to work right away. The very next day after his selection, he joined the search of the Spawn Ranch, and multiple 22 caliber bullets were found by investigators in the canyon that the family used for target practice. Oh, okay. The very next day, Bugliosi joined investigators in searching of the Baker Ranch, where the family had just recently been residing on the edge of Death Valley. Oh. So, where the raid and the arrest of Manson took place. Okay. So he's like, I'm getting knee-deep in this. On one of the abandoned school buses the family used, they found several World War II articles about Hitler. Uh, oh. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. So the DA was aiming to get convictions on as many of the family members as they could, especially with how much press was involved with the trial already, and it hadn't even begun. Yeah. Okay. 
So the DA's office reached a deal with Susan Atkins' attorney to not seek the death penalty in return for her testimony before a grand jury and possible reduction in charges if she fully cooperated with the DA during the actual trial. Okay, so they're um, they're tyraing her. Yes. They're using her as the, uh, what's the word? As part of the defense. Yes. Or not defense, the prosecution. Yes. Okay, all right, cool. So, on December 5th, 1969, she appeared before the grand jury and gave her testimony, which is interesting. All right. So this is what uh, Atkins' little story was for the grand jury. Okay. She told them that she was in love with the reflection of Charles Manson, and there was no limit in what she would do for him. What? In love with the reflection? I don't understand like what, what that Like what she means. saw in herself in him? I guess. What? <laughs> okay. So in an almost like monotone voice, she described the murders at the Tate residence and even spoke in detail about Sharon Tate begging for her life to let her go so she could protect her baby. <sighs> Atkins showed absolutely no remorse or emotion when she was just telling the story. That's chilling. Yeah, she's <laughs> terrifying. But uh, she's a part of the prosecution. Yeah, they're using her as the star witness. Oh, my. Okay. So when she was done telling the story of the Tate murders, she recounted how they got back to the car, stopped in the side street to watch the bl- wash the blood off all their clothes with a water hose. Yeah. And then Manson, like, his reaction to them when they got back to Spawn Ranch and recounted the story to him. Uh. She told the jury she felt dead when they finally got back to Spawn Ranch and told them she still felt dead. Okay. Which I don't, I, I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, after a whopping 20 minutes of deliberation, <laughs> the grand jury returned to give murder indictments on Manson, Watson, Krenwinkel, Atkins, Kasabian, and Van Houten. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. On June 15th, 1970, the Tate-LaBianca trial was set to start against Manson, Krenwinkel, Van Houten, and Atkins. The DA's office was having some issues getting Tex Watson extradited from Texas. So between that and the trial already being huge in the press, they decided to proceed with just the four that they had in California custody to start the trial. Oh. And they would get to Tex later. Oh, okay. I was going to say, they ain't going to just let him slide. No, no, no. They just had to get him from Texas. Okay. Because he got picked up in Texas. Oh, okay. All right. So during the jury selection, Manson just gave like a creepy dead stare to the judge and prosecutor (sighs) Bugliozzi. And Bugliozzi is a badass, however, and took advantage of this and leaned over to Manson during a recess and asked him, what are you trembling about, Charlie? Are you afraid of me? Whoa. To which Manson responded, Bugliozzi, you think I'm bad and I am not. Then went on to say Atkins was just a stupid little bitch who told the whole story to get attention. And after a month, the jury selection was completed. Whoa. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. (laughs) The jury was informed beforehand that they would be sequestered for a long time before the trial actually began. However, it was the longest sequestration. Sequestration. Sequestration? Sequestration. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever. Uh, They were sequestered for a long time. They were sequestered for (laughs) 225 days, which was the longest in U.S. history at the time. So where did they keep them? Probably a hotel. (laughs) For almost a year? Yeah. That's crazy. The opening statements began on July 25th. The beginning of the trial is kind of like a circus because Manson was given permission to represent himself. Which I have no idea why that was allowed, but whatever. Never do that. But this was quickly withdrawn after he made several violations of conduct. Oh, shocking. Yeah. Manson entered the courtroom that day with a fresh, bloody X cut on his forehead to signify, I have X'd myself from your world. 
Oh my, Charlie's wild. He's fucking wild. <laughs> oh no. Okay. He loves the attention. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. He just needs to be seen. It yeah. doesn't matter how or why or for what. Yeah, but he needs to be seen. Yeah. Okay. Originally, Susan Atkins was going to be the prosecution's main witness in yeah. return for a reduction on her charges and no death penalty on the table. However, after receiving threats from Manson. Atkins recanted and stated she would not be testifying against Manson or the family. Okay. Yep. Damn. So he's witness tampering as well. Yeah. So during opening statements, Bugliosi told the jury he would prove that Manson had a motive for the murders and it would be probably appear even more bizarre than the murders themselves. Oh my God. Okay. Which is not wrong. It's, oh. tr- it's just true. All right. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. All right. On July 27th, Kasabian was called to the stand, and Manson's attorney immediately interjected with the objection that Kasabian was insane and therefore not competent to stand as a witness. They're all insane. They're all insane. (laughs) Manson's the most insane of them all. Yeah. The judge called Manson's attorney, Irvin Kanarik, to the bench and told him his behavior was outrageous and to basically sit down and shut the fuck up so they could proceed. Oh, okay. Because, like, (laughs) it doesn't matter if you're insane. If you know right from wrong. Uh, Yeah. And you still do the wrong, you can be fit for trial. Exactly. Yeah. So, Kasabian was sworn into the witness and she was on the stand for a total of 18 days, seven of which were just for cross-examination by Kanarik. 18 days? 18 days. At, like... Six to eight hours a day? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Kasabian. It's crazy. Told the jury that no one in the family had ever refused an order from Charlie because they wanted to do anything and everything for him. <sighs> she described uh, everything that happened at the scene of the Tate murders and then described what happened after they arrived back to the Spawn Ranch and saw Charlie. Charlie had instructed the family to the kitchen to get a sponge and wipe off a blood spot that was left on the outside of the car, as well as go through the interior of the car and wipe out any evidence of blood. They were then told to wait in the bunk room of the ranch until told otherwise. Oh my god. Okay. Kasabian told the jury that she did not want to go to the the night of the murders, but was afraid to say no to Charlie. Which I think contradicts a little what she said earlier about them never wanting or like feeling the need to tell Charlie no because they wanted to do everything he asked. I think she was just saying that to get some sympathy from the uh, jury. Yeah, because they literally did everything that he told them to yeah, do. like without thinking about it, just did it. Oh my God. So on August 3rd, everything that could have gone down the drain when Manson presented the article on the LA Times that the headline, Manson Guilty, Nixon Declares, was oh. presented. Oh. So basically someone wrote to the LA Times... Like, Nixon basically claimed Manson's fucking guilty, and the LA Times printed it. Oh, okay. So they got the president involved. Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay. The defense moved for a mistrial due to the news article, but the judge asked the jury if the article would influence their judgment, and they all stated under oath that it would not. Mm, well, I mean... Uh, they're all going to say Did they that. already... Yeah. <laughs> It was already going to be a guilty thing anyway. Yeah. I don't think it really matters what the president has to say. No. Uh, More testimony was put into the trial, including the bunkmate that Susan Atkins had when she confessed to the details on the murders when she was detained. Oh, yeah. More witnesses described threats that they received from Manson, the beliefs of Helter Skelter that they were preached about, and different ways in which Manson inserted his total control over the family. Okay. 
Paul Watkins was another former family member put on the stand. His role in the family was to recruit young women into the cult, and he provided some huge key evidence that described the strange link between the Bible's book of Revelations and the Tate and LaBianca murders. Oh. He also told the jury about Manson's constant preaching of Helter Skelter, and then told the jury how it would start. Oh my. This is a direct quote from the transcript of the trial from Watkins. Oh, okay. All right, let's hear it. So, quote, there would be some atrocious murders that some of the spades from Watts would come up into Bel Air and Beverly Hills District and really just wipe some people out. Just cut bodies up and smear blood and write things on the wall blood and cut little boys up and make parents watch. Oh my. So in retaliation, this would scare, in other words, all the other white people would be so afraid that this would happen to him so out of their fear, they would go into the ghetto and just start shooting black people like crazy. But all they would shoot would be the garbage man and Uncle Tom's and all the ones that were with Whitey in the first place. And underneath it all, the black Muslims would he know that it was coming down. End quote. Whoa. A little wild there. I was like, that's a little deranged as well, but... Yeah. That just proved what Manson was preaching to the family about why they were doing the things that they were doing. Yeah. And once again, it could have been all about love and peace and happiness. And, and that was, that was, let's all get along. And that was the short quote. There's like a huge page of like all this stuff that Manson said to the family. That was, ba- that was the gist of it. Like, oh we need to God. murder these people. He just lost it. I mean, he could have lost it on his own, but those drugs did not help. No, and his parole officer encouraging him to do the drugs did not help either. Yeah, and be surrounded or being surrounded by all of these people Mm -hmm. and thinking you're in charge and being the head of something. Oh, it's just so crazy. Okay, sorry. So the testimony goes on for a long time, but the gist of it is that eventually a race war would ignite in the country and Charlie and the family would wait till everything settled down after hunkering down in the pit in Death Valley. Yeah, they'd stay in their hole. (laughs) In their hole that they dug. (laughs) Yeah. So Watkins stated that Charlie interpreted all of this from Revelations 9 or 10 in the Bible and the Beatles song, Revolution 9. God damn it. It's, he's still Name pulling Beatles. all these references back to himself. Uh, he says a whole bunch of racist shit as well, but I don't think, and it's, I don't think any of it's necessary yeah, to say it. You, yeah. can just, you can use your imagination if you feel like it, but he probably just believed all this crap because of his schizophrenia that he was probably not diagnosed with. Yeah. So, oh, definitely. Yes. Yep. So, on November 16th, 1970, the prosecution rested its case after a very long 22 weeks. Oh. Yeah, it's almost a whole, like, half a year. Yeah, damn. Okay. And on November 19th, trial resumed, and the defense actually started, uh, startled the entire courtroom by announcing they were resting their case as well, and they didn't call a single witness to the stand. Yeah. Yeah. Not that they could have found a credible witness, but they decided not to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, however, yeah, who's going to defend that, someone yeah. who's like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, however, three of the female defendants got pissed and lost their minds. So they started screaming and demanded that they be allowed to testify. Uh, the judge called everyone to chambers and the defense attorneys said that they were well aware of their cl- clients wanting to testify, but didn't feel comfortable allowing them on the stand since they believed them all to still be under the strong influence of Manson. Yeah. And they would probably just say whatever they wanted to get the blame off of Manson. Yeah. Uh. The judge felt sympathy towards the defense attorneys, but stated the defendants still had a right to testify if they so pleased. Yeah, don't... uh 
can you just, can anyone volunteer to testify? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, not Typically, even the defendant, just like a random person be like, I want to testify for this person. Is that allowed? I don't know. I think you still have to be, like, verified by the judge. But if you uh, are a defendant, you do have a right to testify. You just typically don't. Oh, okay. Huh. Because okay. then you'll perjure yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which we've seen in almost every case we've yes. covered. <laughs> and uh, this kind of happens here. So, oh, boy. Susan Atkins was sworn in as a witness, but her attorney, Dae Shin, was playing in the sassy card and refused oh. <laughs> to question her. Oh, okay. The judge called everyone back to chambers, and one of the attorneys stated that questioning their clients would be the equivalent to aiding and abetting a suicide. Yeah. The next day got even more interesting when Manson declared he actually wanted to testify before any of the defendants did. Oh. He's going to go first. Yes. So he can lay the groundwork. Yes. Okay. He wanted to ensure that they could prevent the jury from hearing any incriminating and excludable testimony. Uh So they heard Charlie's testimony without any jurors in the room first. Uh, He had a little over an hour's worth of testimony. And as you can imagine, it was full of some ridiculous ass bullshit. Oh, I'm sure. Like, what do you even have to say for yourself? Oh, it's, um, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So this is, uh, some of the interesting things Charlie said. Okay. Uh, and he has a whole, whole list. I'm sure he does. He loves himself. He He loves to hear himself talk. Yep. Okay. He said, (laughs) I never went to school, so I never growed up to read and write too good. So I have stayed in jail and I have stayed stupid and I have stayed a child while I have watched your world grow up. And then I look at the things that you do and I don't understand. Okay. And hmm. then he says, you eat meat and you kill things that are better than you are. And then you say how bad and even killers your children are. You made your children what they are. Okay. Okay. He's fucking, I just picked the wildest one that he said. <laughs> yeah. So then he has these children that come at you with knives. They are your children. You taught them. I didn't teach them. I just tried to help them stand up. So he's saying that the parents of the family members made them killers, not him. Yeah. Uh. Then we have most of the people at the ranch that you call the family were just people that you did not want. People that were alongside the road that their parents had kicked out that did not want to go to juvenile hall. So I did the best that I could and I took them up on my garbage dump and told them this, that in love there is no wrong. Which, that one's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yep. I told It's him, just taking it to the next fucking level. Oh, he's taking it to a whole other level. Yeah. I told them that anything they do for their brothers and sisters is good if they do it with a good thought. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, murdering doesn't count. No. Uh, I don't understand you, but I don't try. I don't try to judge nobody. I know that the only person I can judge is me. But I know that this, that in your hearts and your own souls... You are as much responsible for the Vietnam War war as I am for killing these people. But he does judge people because he's racist. Yes. (laughs) So that's contradictory. And then he says, I can't judge any of you, even though he already has. Yeah. I have no malice against you and no ribbons for you. But I think that it is high time that you all start looking at yourselves and judging the lie that you live in. (sighs) He's continuing to preach his system while While on trial. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, He then says, I can't dislike you, but I will say this to you. You haven't got long before you are all going to kill yourselves because you are all crazy and you can project it back at me, but I am only what lives inside each and every one of you. It's like, God, it's like he almost, he's just so close to having it and he just doesn't. Yes. (laughs) He just didn't, he he lost it along the way. (laughs) And this is my favorite. Oh boy. I haven't got any guilt about anything because I have never been able to see any wrong. I have always said, do what your love tells you and I do what my love tells me. Is it my fault that your children do what you do? What about your children? You say there are just a few, 
there are many, many more coming in the same direction. They're running in the streets and they're coming right at you. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, it's, just, <laughs> it's so crazy. Oh, but it's very intriguing, but it's crazy. He's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Prosecutor Bugliosi kept his cross-examination pretty brief. He probably didn't have a lot to ask after Well, that. yeah. I mean, it's already <laughs> fucking hot <laughs> And it, Like, anything he asked Charlie, is just he's just going to get an answer similar to what he's already heard. So he's like, I don't need any of that. Exactly. Like, you're just digging yourself a hole here, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so one more weird thing that happened before the closure of the trial. Ronald Hughes, who was Leslie Van Houten's attorney failed to appear in court when trial resumed on November 30th. Oh, oh should, did you kill him? Somebody did. <gasps> so an investigation immediately ensued, <laughs> and it revealed that he had disappeared over a weekend while camping in a remote area, Sespe Hot Springs. Never which, camp in a remote area. No. Don't do that. Which is northwest of LA. Most people believe that Manson ordered this hit on Hughes mm. because his entire strategy was that Van Hooten was not acting on her own accord. <laughs> but only committed the murders because she was under strong influence from Manson. And you can probably say that maybe he was hoping for a mistrial as well. Oh my God, that's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Damn. Canaric, Charlie's attorney, argued that it wasn't Charlie the female defendants were committing the murder for, but Tex Watson, who, if you remember, wasn't present because of the battle with Texas and trying to like get him extradited. Yeah. He spun the story that Tex Watson was the mastermind behind the whole thing and Manson was being railroaded because of his hippie and strange lifestyle. But didn't Manson want the credit for this? But his defense attorney's like, let's blame it on Tex. Yeah. His defense attorney's playing the smart card and trying to, like, get the jury to believe that it was possibly somebody else. Because that's what you do. That's what a good defense attorney does. Yeah. But you have to have your client on board, which he was not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, His argument lasted seven days. And Judge Older eventually put a stop to it and called it a filibuster. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, okay. Uh, and Bugliosi's ending argument was amazing. Okay, I'm uh, excited. He described Charlie as a Mephistophelian guru yeah. who sent out the fires from hell at Spawn Ranch, three heartless, bloodthirsty robots, and unfortunately for him, one human being, the little hippie girl, Linda Kasabian. Whoa. Which I would argue she's just as bad as them. Yeah. They're just trying to put her in a better light because she's a witness, but whatever. Oh my god. He ended his closing with saying... Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Sharon Tate, Abigail Folger, Wojtek Furkowski, Jay Sebring, Stephen Parent, Lena LaBianca, and Rosemary LaBianca are not here with us in this courtroom, but from their graves, they cry out for justice. Damn. That's chilling. And Yes. <laughs> yeah. The jury deliberations lasted a week before they returned their verdict on January 25th, 1971. Okay. They found all defendants guilty on each count of first degree murder. All right. Good job, jury. Good job, jury. <laughs> During the penalty phase of the trial, they heard some additional evidence and sentenced each of the four defendants to death on March 29th, 1971. Whoa. Okay. Wait, there was only four of them? In this original trial. Oh, okay. They all got the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Damn. When the clerk was reading the verdict out to the courtroom, Manson shouted, you people have no authority over me. But they do. They do. They they sure do. They do. (laughs) And Cranewinkle yelled, you have judged yourselves. Whatever the fuck that means. Okay. Susan Atkins yelled, better lock your doors and watch your own kids. Whoa. Susan. (laughs) Susan, maybe we shouldn't be threatening the jury. I'm scared of you, Susan. Damn. And Leslie Van Hooten stated, the whole system is a game. These people... 
like they may not have been they may not have been brainwashed by him. I think they were already on a bad track. They were on yep, they were on a bad path and they just kind of clung to everything he said. Yeah. The drugs didn't help either. No. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, the trial was finally over after lasting nine months and Damn. had been the longest and most expensive in American history up to that point. Uh, yeah, I believe it. Fortunately for the family, even though they were sentenced to death in 1971, the California Supreme Court ruled in 1972 that the death penalty law was unconstitutional for the four convicted defendants in the original trial and Tex Watson, who ended up being tried separately. All five currently remain in prison to this day in California. He's still alive? Manson's not. I think he's dead now. Oh, but all the all the chicks are still alive? Mm-hmm. Whoa. One of them's Can you out. imagine? And one of them's out now. <gasps> mm-hmm. Are you going to tell me? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you imagine being in prison with these with ladies? These ladies? <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, can I get a new roommate? Yeah. Thank you. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. Okay. Manson was incarcerated at a maximum security prison in a state penitentiary in Conquerin, California. He's been denied parole 11 times. His most recent plea for parole was in 2012. Damn. I don't know why this seems so far removed. It's, your, it's 2012. And you're going to love this. Oh, Okay. Manson ended up working in the prison's chapel, and upon upon a search done in 1980, they found his pile of goodies, including some devil's lettuce, a hundred foot of nylon rope, and a mail-order catalog for hot air balloons. (laughs) What? (laughs) He was, like, planning an extravagant escape from prison on a hot air balloon. (laughs) In a hot air balloon. I love that. In 1986, he published his own story titled Manson in His Own Words. And you can imagine how that title reels. Is it, wait, is that an actual book? Can we buy that? Yeah, you can buy it. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Does he make money off of it? Or was it before or after the whole Gacy thing? Uh, They're not allowed to make money off of their profits, right? Okay, yeah. All three female defendants ended up being model inmates and offered their time for charity work since being incarcerated. (sighs) Yeah. It's highly doubtful that any of them will ever be released on parole due to the high profile of the crimes they committed and the public's, like, would-be turmoil reaction to their release. Yeah. Some people believe the girls have uh, served enough of their time and deserve to be released since they were so young at the time of the crimes under the influence of Manson. I, however, do not agree. I think if you really want to murder someone and you feel violence in your soul in order to commit the crime, like with Betty Williams, you're going to do it. Like, you don't deserve to be released because you're just going to do it again. Yep. Oh, my God. Susan Atkins died of brain cancer in September 2009. Bye. And I hope you suffered (laughs) so much. Yeah. Since Charlie is Charlie, and he will always be a disgusting pervert, in November 2014, he submitted a request for a marriage license. Uh, Keep in mind, he's 80 at this time. (laughs) Okay. He wanted to marry an an Elaine Burton, who was 26 years old at the time and was working tirelessly on his release. 26? 26. 80? 80. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, no. The end of Charlie came on November 19th, 2017, at a hospital in Kern County, California, where he died of natural causes at the ripe age of 83. Whoa. The... Uh That was a crazy story. That was so crazy. Yes. Oh, man. So he's dead. Yep. But uh, he didn't die that long ago. No. And (laughs) Fred Winkle is the one that was granted parole, and it was only last year, May 26, 2022. What? Mm-hmm. So she's out. Yep, she's out now. At, at what, she, 60-ish? Uh, she's been, well, she was incarcerated 50? for 50 years, so she was probably 70-ish. 
She's like an old lady. She's an old lady. Oh my god! And she was the longest incarcerated female inmate at that like system. Wow, that's mm-hmm. a great fun fact. I love oh, that. Yes. Damn, that's so crazy. I wonder if she's like, like, what is she doing at seventy years old? Maybe in like a nursing home or something, because she uh, doesn't know how to survive. Yeah, I the- doubt she has any family left, and if she does, they probably don't want anything to do with her. Yeah, she helped murder six people. Yeah, yeah so weird. that's where we're at. Damn, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad you told me that story because I think I feel like I would have gotten lost in that and gotten frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is too much. I'm done. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so that's the story of Charlie Manson. That was it. And his family. Oh man, it's a fucked up family. It's insane. Yeah. Mm. I feel like he had good intentions, and then it just kind of went off the rails real hard, real fast. Real fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, well, I'm going to go get some Taco Bell. Oh, my God. Whitney <laughs> FaceTimed me today, guys, during the episode, and she made the mistake of picking up her cup from her cup holder, and I noticed that it was a green color, a.k.a. Taco Bell. Baja Blast from <laughs> yeah. Taco Bell. Yeah. You said, where'd you go to lunch, honey? She said, I haven't been yet. And then, no. Yeah. Yes, I was you like, have. Whitney. <laughs> She's like, I'm on a food strike, even though I just meal prepped myself food. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh, man. And today's Derek's birthday. Not Happy- today. Today. Not today that we're recording. <laughs> yeah. May 24th is yeah. Derek's birthday. So happy birthday, Derek. Happy birthday, Uncle Derek. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I got to go pick up a cake. And Yeah. Oh, bunt cake. Ruin the surprise. Oh, oh it's, a, it's, it's, it's already not, happened. It's already happened. It's fine. <laughs> You're right. Oh, shit. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Don't. Just don't. I don't know. No. <laughs> Don't be a cult leader. Don't be a cult member. Love and happiness. Yes. Peace and love. Unless you want to join our cult uh, of kitty catness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye. Mephistophelian. Meph- I hate these fucking words. Yeah. George just being a good boy, per usual. Yeah. He's our little potato. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, there she goes. Oh, she's crying. <laughs> Uh, blah, blah, blah. George. (laughs) All right. That was stressful. Okay. (laughs) Come on. on, These episodes are going to be all over the place. Come on. Come on.